You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Hello, everybody. Happy Wednesday to you. You are listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Thank you so much for tuning in. And this is the last show before I'm in studio for Tout Wars. So uh, we'll have uh, a different show going on tomorrow. Check in for that. Uh, I'm actually not not privy to the the details just yet, but uh, I know it'll be a good one. And then Friday I will be in studio uh, with everybody. And I'll have lots of uh, special guests. Matt, Matt Medica will be with me, so I'm very excited uh, to have Matt uh, not, not only back on the show, but uh, in studio with me. So that'll be really cool. And then uh, Saturday, the Tout War uh, auctions will happen. So uh, big, big stuff coming up. Pretty much the, the high point of my uh, draft season. So looking forward to uh, sharing what uh, what goes on there in uh, New York this uh, coming weekend and, uh, and, and in the aftermath and the days after uh, breaking it down. That's, uh, that's a fun part, too. But uh, not to get too far ahead of myself uh, for today's show, I'm going to uh, check in on some spring training performances. I've been doing that periodically. It's been a few days, and uh, there are some real interesting ones and, and ones, you know, more importantly, that I think could be impactful. Uh, because uh, I've said it before, I'll say it now, and I'll say it again. I don't really like to dig into the spring training stats unless it's got some relevance for uh, a position battle or maybe somebody who's coming off of injury uh, or just something that's just really notably different about their statistical profile. And it's got to be very different because we're still dealing with extremely small samples as we're uh, – I think a little more than halfway through the uh, Cactus League and Grapefruit League schedules. So I'll be doing that. And also, because Tout Wars is coming up, and I've been uh, doing my draft prep, doing my homework, and uh, I'm going to try to uh, pass pass some of the learning on to you. I was going to say pass some of the savings. Hopefully I'll, I'll save some money in the auction. But um, because it is an OBP League, a lot of what I discussed over the last few weeks and during my position previews and talking about tiers and pivotal players at each position, it kind of gets jumbled up for an OBP league. So I'm going to go through uh, the, the six uh, hitter positions and talk about what's, what's different, which uh, players may be pivotal, pivotal in an OBP league uh, as opposed to a standard 5x5 five five with batting average. Uh, and, and just uh, talk about how the tiers might be shaken up a little bit at each of those positions. So that'll be coming up a little bit later on. But plenty of uh, injury updates to get to and just news in general. So uh, Eddie Rosario, some pretty good news for him. He's been dealing with a triceps injury, but uh, he uh, played catch today. And today is, of course, Wednesday. So uh, he may not be too far off from some game action. So good news for uh, Eddie Rosario. Yoana Cespedes, he had uh, uh, x-rays done, and uh, they came back negative, got a cortisone shot on Tuesday. So, of course, because he got the cortisone shot, uh, he's going to be off for at least a couple of days. But uh, hopefully that'll uh, 
help uh, Cespedes uh, get get back on track there. Uh, Nelson Cruz is the latest to join the uh, Mariners' growing uh, injury list. He's got a quad strain, according to the Seattle Times, and uh, we may not know more about that until maybe later today. So if something does come across my Twitter feed during the show, I'll pass that on. Uh, But it's it's expected he's going to go for an MRI. Uh, But I've not seen anything further on that for Nelson Cruz. Josh Donaldson is dealing with uh, a calf injury. There's no timetable, but apparently it is not too serious because Blue Jays manager John Gibbons said that uh, he could be back. And when I say he, I mean Josh Donaldson could be back within the next few days. So we'll keep an eye on that one. Brad Miller, haven't really talked too much about him since uh, I think I was going through my sleepers list. I like like him as a deep sleeper. He's only had, I think, two plate appearances. He's been dealing with a, a uh, right pinky toe fracture. But he is scheduled to play in a minor league game on Thursday, according to MLB.com. And according to the Tampa Bay Times, uh, Miller could be ready to return to uh, spring training games with the major league squad in four to five days, and he could still be on track to be ready for opening day. And right now, trying to project the the Rays opening day lineup and roster is pretty tricky. So this is just one more uh, moving piece there that we got to keep an eye on. A story that I have been tracking pretty much throughout spring training is that of the first base left field competitions for the Rockies. Obviously involves lots of players. And perhaps the one that I'm really most concerned about is Ryan McMahon, because if he wins the first base job, then there's potential for him to be somebody who could really make an impact in 12-team mixed leagues. But he's not assured of getting that job. There have been all sorts of positive reports about McMahon uh, going into the spring and throughout the spring, and he's, he's backed it up with a really nice performance. Uh, even so... Uh, Rockies manager Bud Black told the Denver Post that he doesn't really put that much stock into the spring training numbers early on, but in the latter half of uh, spring training, uh, as rosters thin out and hitters are facing a a higher level of competition uh, in terms of the pitchers that they're facing, he puts a lot more weight on that. That's maybe something we should pay a little bit of of attention to. So... uh, According to his Denver Post report, McMahon is still very much in the mix, but still really competing and trying to make a case for that first base job. So without a really strong performance over the next couple of weeks, it would appear that Ian Desmond, given the recent Carlos Gonzalez sighting, that Ian Desmond would be the Rockies starting first baseman. But this this has all sort of collateral effects because if McMahon continues to come on strong, and Desmond goes to left field, and then I would think Corrado Parra would be the one who would be losing out on some playing time there. So got to stay plugged into that one. Let, let's not get too overconfident at drive, uh, drafting Ryan McMahon as much as I would like to. He comes very cheaply, but of course part of the inexpensiveness is related to the, ver- the, the, uh, the very uncertainty that I've been talking about here with that uh, position battle. So we got to continue to play that one conservatively. So more, much more news to come here, but uh, let me just take a quick time out and remind you to check out Fantrax.com. That's where you can go and create the ultimate dynasty keeper or redraft fantasy league using Fantrax's free commissioner product. Find out how it feels to have the deepest player pool, multi-team trades, 
plus player salary and contract options right at your fingertips, all of which are fully customizable. And with Fantrax Treasurer, you can set league entry fees and safely distribute payouts without a third party. So that means you don't have to go and track down owners for payment. And when you register on that registration page, there's a little box at the bottom for a promo code. And I've got a real quick, simple, easy one for you. Al, my first name, Al, A-L. Enter A-L as the promo code at the sign up for a chance to win 10 private consultations with me. Uh, I sell these packages of 10, also sell bigger and smaller packages, but I send the uh, sell the 10-pack uh, at almelkier.com for uh, $109. But if you sign up and use the Al promo code at Fantrax, then you're in a drawing to win that 10-pack of consultations, uh, which I do by phone and Skype. You could win that for absolutely free. So go register, go under the promo code Al, and go find out why Fantrax is the home of fantasy sports. Check out Fantrax.com today. Some Yankees news. They, uh, earlier this morning, released Adam Lind. So for all the uh, whining and moaning that I did a few days ago about how Tyler Austin, once again, is not getting a real chance, looks like he is now. Looks like Tyler Austin is well-positioned to be Greg Bird's backup. And that might not sound like a big deal, and maybe it won't be a big deal. But there are certain players that, you know, you want to know who their backups are, and you hope that they're good. Uh, because Greg Bird does have uh, some injury history behind him. And if he actually got a shot at some regular playing time, I think Tyler Austin could be a very nice power source. So I'm not wishing for bad things for Greg Bird. And Greg Bird himself would be a great player to own this year, I think. But, uh, you know, those those players that, that tend to be a little injury prone, you, you do want to check out their uh, their backup situation because they, they can make for some uh, good flyers, particularly in the deeper formats. And also, uh, this is no no surprise whatsoever, the Yankees optioned Glaber Torres to AAA. That was pretty much sealed when they signed Neil Walker the other day. So Torres, uh, barring uh, you know uh, any setbacks you know, performance-wise or, or health-wise, uh, I would expect he'd be up within the first month or two. Again, that's just speculation on my part, but, um, you know, I suppose it depends in part uh, on Neil Walker, too, and how well he performs. But like I said, I, I certainly like the Yankees as a landing spot for him, Yankee Stadium as a venue. Uh, so as long as Walker's got those uh, starts uh, at second base, uh, I, I like his chance to perform. And it's not really just a simple Walker versus Torres thing either, because uh, maybe you see Torres come up and play third base and the Brandon Drury goes uh, to a utility role. And that's been sort of assumed, right? I think the assumption was more that Miguel Andujar would come up and that would force Drury into uh, a utility role. So there's all kinds of possibilities there. And uh, I'll take the opportunity once more to say that I think the skills always win out. And one way or another, I, I expect Glaber Torres to get uh, a good good amount of playing time this year, just not in the first few weeks. In Marlins news, uh, JT Real Muto, according to MLB.com, uh, hopes to be back doing baseball activities within just a day or two. That's very good news for him. He sustained a bruise to his back uh, within the last few days. 
Martin Prado, however, is expected to begin the season on the DL. I don't think that's too surprising either. I think it's I've been widely assuming that uh, Brian Anderson was going to begin the year as the Marlins starting third baseman. That's just much, much more of a certainty now. So Prado expected to start for the DL. Anderson to at least begin the year as the Marlins third baseman had a nice uh, September stint after a, a call up last year for the Marlins had a breakout season in the minors and, you know, Prado is, is very versatile. So, you know, I'd have to wonder that, it, you know, whenever he's ready to, to come back, he's been recovering from knee surgery. Uh, and whenever Prado's 100% ready to go, could put him in the outfield. Uh, I suppose they could put him uh, uh, out and probably not at shortstop, but maybe you get Miguel Rojas uh, at shortstop. Well, I don't know, because Starling Castro, I think he's he's there for the time being. So. Maybe the outfield is, is where uh, Prado could go to keep Anderson in the lineup. But, you know, Anderson could struggle. All sorts of uh, ways that that could play out. Some very good news for Andrelton Simmons, who's uh, missed a little bit of time with the strained left shoulder. He is expected to return tomorrow, according to the Orange County Register. Here's a Michael Brantley update. We haven't had one of these in maybe a couple weeks or so. According to the Cleveland Plain Dealer, Brantley, who uh, is coming back from off-season ankle surgery, is still questionable for opening day, but he has been doing some base running drills. Uh, he's been taking some balls in the outfield and uh, could be playing uh, exhibition games very soon. So uh, while he's not a, a sure thing for opening day, he's making good progress and he hasn't been ruled out so take that for what's worth. It's you know, I mean, look, if, if somebody misses a week or two at the beginning of the season, that's to me not a real value changer. I mean, especially somebody of Brantley's caliber. So I take this as a, a largely uh, positive and reassuring report from the uh, Cleveland Plain Dealer. Not so reassuring is uh, Troy Tulowitzki being ruled out for opening day. Uh, he is dealing with a bone spur in his right heel. And as you would figure, Devin Travis is in the mix to replace him at shortstop, but so is uh, Gifton Gope, who the uh, Blue Jays acquired this offseason. If there's a little bit of a surprise in this report, it's that um, uh, Jan Hervis Salarte is not really at the top of that list to replace Tulowitzki uh, at shortstop. So... For, you know, take take that for what that's worth. But, uh, yeah, so it looks like probably Devin Travis would be the main beneficiary of playing time initially. And But, again, Gifton Gopi uh, will figure in there, too. Brandon Finnegan got an update on him. Kind of left that one hanging when it uh, was reported a day or two ago that he said he had had a knot in his arm. He was removed early uh, from a spring training game, also same game that Anthony Desclafani was removed from early. Desclafani, by the way, will not be ready for opening day. Finnegan, however, according to the Cincinnati Inquirer, still could be. This is not considered a major injury, but he has been diagnosed, however, with a bicep strain. So that would explain why he termed it a knot in the arm. That's what I would figure that would feel like. So Brandon Finnegan with a bicep strain, not yet ruled out for uh, being on the opening day roster. And then just a couple of Mets items very quickly here. They're going to start off their year uh, with Noah Syndergaard as the opening day starting pitcher, followed by 
uh, followed by DeGrom. So uh, he'll be uh, the number two starter. That's been the, the big uh, sort of a soap opera over the last uh, week or two is uh, whether or not DeGrom would be uh, ready uh, for the opening day roster. And the news has really just gotten better and better for him. So he'll uh, he'll be there as uh, the starter for the second game. And Juan Lagares might be traded. Uh, Mets are getting calls on him, and they apparently are open to trading him. I think probably in part because of the, the good play of Brandon Nimmo this spring. So there you have it. Uh, those are all the uh, news updates that are fit to talk about. Anything more that I see, of course, I'll pass along. But right now, let's uh, head to a break. And when we come back, we'll uh, look at some of the standout spring training performances to date. So be right back. Stick around. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I am your host, Al Melchior. And um, I've got a segment coming up here where I'm going to check in on some of the more notable spring training performances, some of the better ones, and not just the best, perhaps, but the best ones that actually I think will matter for uh, Fantasy Baseball. So uh, how's that for making it awkward. Anyway, uh, before I get into all that, uh, let me just remind you that Fantasy Factor is the perfect daily fantasy site for the casual recreational player. They've got flatter prize pools, smaller fields, and single entry contests only. Fantasy Factor always has fun contests going. Right now, there's free entry. March Mat- There's a March Madness bracket, a Sweet 16 bracket, bracket and Fantasy Factor is running a $100,000 Home Run Derby this year. So for all this, simply sign up and enter www.fantasyfactor.com. And, uh, you know, I don't typically take requests. This isn't really a request. Nobody asked me to talk about this player. But Craig from Chicago, you know you're out there. This is for you, bud. Matt Davidson. (laughs) Craig loves him some Matt Davidson. Uh, And, in fact, I had a little bit of a Twitter exchange with Craig from Chicago about Matt Davidson uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, Oh, is it? Yeah. Him versus Mitch Moreland. And I still will take Mitch Moreland uh, 365 and a quarter days a year, every year over Matt Davidson. But one of the arguments I made against Davidson is that uh, I thought he was, even though, you know, from a fantasy perspective, this is annoying, but thought he was blocked by Yalmer Sanchez. 
But uh, Nikki Del Monaco sustained a shoulder injury. So that, at least for opening day and for a little bit beyond, I'm pretty sure that opens up the DH spot for Davidson. So at least initially, Davidson uh, should have some regular playing time. And just like I was talking about earlier, you know, with uh, I think it was Michael Brantley. Yeah, it's like, you know, missing a couple weeks is no big deal. Well, if you're Nikki Delmonico and you're sort of on the, the fringes of, of uh, a, a regular playing spot, I realize that's presumptuous of me to say that. I don't know, uh, you know, what Rick Retria's plans are, but it would certainly seem like there's, you know, there's options there. I think Delmonico also overperformed last year. So this could be a real opportunity for Matt Davidson to show what he could do and 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 maybe uh, take that DH spot and run with it. I wouldn't uh, uh, really, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't, you know, get too carried away with uh, my my previous argument that Matt Davidson is is uh, you know blocked forever and ever. I mean, I think there's, you know, whether it's taking over third base from Yalmer Sanchez or starting the year DH and and just. Uh, you know, taking that and running with it. These are all, all possible scenarios. But uh, what is also helping Davidson's case is he's having a super nice spring. He's batting uh, 375. He's slugging 725. And it's nice to see the power from him. It's hardly surprising, and especially in spring training. And the 375 average, even when you're talking about small samples here, I mean, any player can bat up their way into or out of good stats in such a small sample in against uh, a variety of uh, pitchers uh, varying in, in quality, as I was referring to earlier. But here's here's a, a, a neat little thing that in 45 plate appearances, Davidson's only struck out nine times. Um, and again, we're talking small samples. We're talking, you know, I'm not sure who in all he has faced. But that's a that's a big departure for him. I mean, I, I uh, a fifteen out of forty five strikeout ratio would look totally in line for Davidson. Would not look out of place whatsoever. So that's a, that's a substantial drop. And again, I'm not saying or predicting that this is going to carry over at all. It's just something to watch with Matt Davidson if he emerges from the second half of spring training with a, a pretty nice strikeout rate. And he can keep that going early in the season. Again, I'm probably I'm I'm almost certainly not drafting him in, in mixed leagues, but it, it's now something to watch. It's something to see if uh, early on with that playing time opportunity that appears he's going to have, and uh, he, he's uh, producing a, a nice batting average, not through Babbitt, but through better contact, more frequent contact. Then uh, that's that's a game changer for Matt Davidson. So there you go. Talked about Brandon Nimmo earlier. Uh, he is, as I said before, having a nice spring, and maybe uh, that's factoring into the Mets' openness to trade Juan Lagares. Nimmo's batting 343 and slugging 800. And again, it's not so much that number in isolation, but that Brandon Nimmo was kind of part of the Jesse Winker club in that late in the year last year completely out of line with what he had done in the past. He was, he was mashing. He was showing some power. So a September power surge carried over to spring training that by itself, again, I don't think means a whole lot, but given that now it looks like that's bought him some playing time. Now we get an opportunity to see if it's going to carry over into April. So we shall see with uh, Brandon Nimmo.
Lewis Brinson, I actually meant to talk about him on the show yesterday, ran out of time, but he fits into this segment just as well. He's batting 353. He's got a 588 slugging percentage. He has not stolen a base yet. He's tried three times. Now, get small samples. I don't think Brinson's going to be a, a big stolen base guy anyway. I mean, I think he's going to be more the type that maybe, you know, throws in 10 to a dozen. And so, uh, you know, it, it's a nice little bonus. But, uh, you know, I, I talked quite a bit yesterday about how I, I don't really understand the degree of love that Manny Margot is getting. Brinson's a, a late rounder, kind of an, uh, going uh, in terms of ADP. Uh, uh, he's a, an end game option for a lot of folks in uh, uh, standard mixed leagues. And I get, I mean, at that point, it's really hard for me to fault a lot of choices that fantasy owners would make because if you want, you know, you want to go safe there because maybe you didn't go safe earlier in the draft. That's a good strategy. If you're going for upside there, what's the risk? You know, the the person that you're drafting with your last pick or second last pick probably as likely as not, or maybe more likely uh, it's going to be somebody you're in a ditch eventually. So why not take the fire of Lewis Brinson? I, he just isn't standing out for me as somebody to take that risk with. Uh, he had nice numbers last year, but don't forget that uh, in the Brewer system, he was a AAA uh, Colorado Springs. That's a crazy good venue. His numbers away from Colorado Springs last year were they were they were pretty bland. Uh, the ISO was just under 200. Uh, you know, there, there was nothing really there that stood out. And the, the stolen bases that he gave, I mean, they were overwhelmingly at home because he was getting on base so much more frequently at Colorado Springs. So I've, I've, I color me skeptical. I'm, I, I'm not that excited about Lewis Brinson this year. And frankly, if he struggles, uh, Magnus Sierra, I, I, in a way, I, I'm a bigger believer in Sierra because, you know, I, I, I believe in the speed, which could not only produce some steals, but I think it could actually hit him help him hit for a legitimately good batting average with the, whereas with Britson, I'm not sure what category he's really going to help me with. So, uh, yeah, that's my take on Lewis Brinson. Good start though. Good start. And I, I fully expect that he'll be the regular center fielder come opening day for, for the Marlins. Uh, Steven Duggar. He has not cemented anything in terms of being the center fielder for the Giants, but, boy, he's making a great case for it. He's hitting 300. He's already hit four home runs and stolen a couple of bases. And as far as I could tell from all the different reports that I've read, it would seem like Gorkas Hernandez would be the, the main obstacle there. And if Hernandez wins out, I think it would just simply be a – probably just be a service time issue for Duggar. I, I just don't see what – and again, we have to see the next couple of weeks. And if Duggar tails off, then it's it's a different story. It's a different narrative. But, I you know, uh, financial considerations aside, it would seem like Duggar would be the, the uh, obvious person that the Giants should go with uh, in, in center field. You know, I thought maybe Gregor Blanco, but everything that I've read is that uh, they're viewing him as a reserve outfielder. Austin Jackson uh, going to be a platoon player. Mac Williamson is having a fantastic spring. And unfortunately, I don't really see where there is for him to play other than, you know, maybe as a fourth or fifth outfielder. But he's he's having really one of the best springs of any hitter. He's batting 378. He is slugging 865. And he has a couple of steals. 
He uh, worked on his swing this offseason and apparently changed it considerably, tried to make it more compact. And, uh, you know, I don't know whether it's cause and effect, but uh, the results have uh, certainly been good enough to uh, maybe get him a roster spot. And, uh, you know, here's a case just like I was talking earlier about, you know, Matt Davidson and Nikki Delmonico. Uh, Hunter Pence, I, I'm not sure what to expect from him. I think he could be a neat uh, late-round flyer. I think there's there's something left in the tank there for Hunter Pence, but he's also, after being a guy who, you you know, you just you drafted him for the safety, last couple of years has not been able to stay healthy, and maybe that provides the opportunity for Mac Williamson to, uh, uh, you know, uh, build on what he's doing this spring. And again, this is all just conjecture, but, um, you know, Williamson at least is working his way into potentially working his way into a roster spot. And then, you know, good things can happen once once you do that. Um, going with another center fielder here, Adam Engel. I think he's got that White Sox center field job pretty well wrapped up. Again, probably too early to, to say that with a lot of confidence. But uh, he's batting 276 for a guy who has had some issues with strikeouts. So that's not too bad. Uh, he's hit four home runs. And I mean, he's an interesting player because he – he doesn't have really a ton of raw power, but he definitely has joined the fly ball revolution, or maybe he was, uh, you know, ahead of the revolution. Uh, he's a fly ball hitter, and you know, given his home park, I mean that that could that could work for him. And I, I've been really you know pretty skeptical of him even having some deep league value, but he hits like a power hitter. He's got a great park to do that in. And he can give you some steals. So really, the big question is, how much is the batting average going to sink you? And he has had some reasonable success at times in the minor leagues, uh, keeping the strikeout rate at uh, you know uh, a respectable place. So uh, I'm going to see if I can uh, real quick pull up the, the, the stat sheet for uh, Adam Engel here so that I'm, I'm accurate in what I'm saying. But yeah, I mean, as recently as, okay, double A, so 2016, two years ago, he had a 19.6% strikeout rate, also walked at a 10.9% rate, uh, and by the way, walked out quite a bit in AAA last year, uh, but the strikeouts were, were much higher, 26.6%, and uh, also in advanced class A, uh, a, a pretty good strikeout rate. So, I don't know. A little bit of intrigue there for for Adam Engel. If you, you, you're looking for some potentially cheap speed with a little bit of power on the side in a deeper league, and and maybe there's the chance he figures out the, the contact hitting thing at the major league level and uh, isn't uh, a, a big uh, big drag on your your batting average. Now here's a player who's had a very nice spring so far, although he's missed a little time lately due to uh, a shoulder injury, but this is Nico Goodrum, who stands a pretty good chance of getting a spot on the Tigers opening day roster. He should be back on Thursday, according to Detroit News. So that's going to be obviously critical for Goodrum. But so far, he's 8 for 22. That's a 364 batting average. He's got two homers. He's got three doubles and three steals. And, no, I don't think there's a spot for him. I don't think he's going to take second base away from Dixon Machado or uh, grab an outfield spot. 
But Goodrum is very versatile, can play pretty much all over the diamond. And maybe he's, you know, uh, fills the the uh, Andrew Romine role where he could get a fair amount of playing time, just spelling people here and there and be a nice little kind of moderate power speed uh, source for people. So, I mean, this is strictly AL only at this point, but, uh, you know, tuck, if you are in the AL only league, tuck, tuck that name away. Nico Goodrum. All right. I've talked quite a bit the last few shows about the, Rangers left field situation. Of course, that was one of the big stories yesterday with um, Willie Calhoun getting demoted to AAA. So now it's down between Drew Robinson and Ryan Rua. Neither one is having a very good spring. Uh, so something to keep an eye on, though. Uh, Robinson hitting just 200, but uh, getting on base at a 326 clip. Rua also batting 200, but he's slugging 457. So one's drawing walks, the other's hitting some extra base hits. But not really great numbers for either Robinson or Rua. Uh, I would think as a default, Robinson probably would be getting the bulk of the playing time because of being left-handed. But if Rua comes on strong, uh, you know, I could see him taking that job outright. So we'll watch that one. And also we got a second base position battle brewing in San Diego uh, between Carlos Asuaje and Corey Spangenberg. Swahe batting 400, slugging 743, and power's not something I would really expect from him. Uh, Spangenberg, again, you know, sort of like I was uh, talking about with uh, Goodrum, uh, some power speed potential there. He's hitting 321, slugging 607. Last year, Spangenberg hit 13 homers and 11 uh, got 11 steals in something less than regular playing time. So he could be intriguing as a regular. Got a couple of rotation situations that are developing in a very interesting way. You got the Mariners and of course they're decimated by injuries all over the place right now, but there's a real interesting battle shaping up for the back of their rotation. And of course the Reds, that's been an intriguing battle all spring long and, and promises to be one maybe right down to the wire. So uh, I'm going to break those down after uh, the break that's coming up because uh, I want to make sure that I give them, Give each of them their due, uh, and we, we got the break coming up very shortly here. But uh, that also after the break, uh, once I, I break down those two situations, uh, I'm going to talk about some on-base percentage players, players that uh, could help you maybe more than you would think in an OBP league if you're more used to a batting average format. Uh, so stick around for that as well. Here comes the break. I'm going to wait for a few minutes. But I'll be right back with a lot of good stuff, so don't go anywhere. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. And I've got some, some 
big news uh, over the break. Uh, very excited about this. Uh, and it's. It, I did get news about the uh, Mariners rotation situation, but this is even better. So I, I said uh, earlier on in the show that uh, I was not going to be able to host tomorrow. I'm going to be en route to Tout Wars in New York City. I uh, wasn't quite sure what uh, the, the arrangement was going to be for tomorrow's show. Now I know, and it's going to be uh, producer uh, extraordinaire Mike Florio and Mike Cardano. It's going to be the Dueling Mics tomorrow. should be a great show. So uh, be sure to send all of your StatCast-related uh, uh, questions uh, via Twitter. And uh, should be a great show. But uh, really, uh, I'm very, very psyched for this. So uh, anyway, uh, like I said, I've got a couple of rotation situations to update you on. I've got some OBB players to talk about. Before I get to any of that, um, just uh, drop a brief message on you here that you can uh, dominate DraftKings and FanDuel Major League Baseball contests this summer with Daily Rotos. MLB projections and optimizer. Go to dailyroto.com slash premium and save 10% with the promo code FNTSY to use all the same tools and projections that millionaire maker winner drink do excuse me, Drew Dickmeyer uses. Sorry about that, Drew. Uh, and the tools don't just work for football. This is the same site that Drew used for last year's top five $150,000 DraftKings live final finish. So head on over to dailyroto.com slash premium. Save 10% with that promo code. Again, that's FNTSY. And see the results for yourself. All right. So uh, I did tease a little bit that I've got some Mariners news. This off of Twitter from uh, Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times. That Marco Gonzalez, he uh, got hit uh, by the comebacker on his uh, on his hand the other day, but it was his right hand. He's a lefty. And uh, Gonzalez, I think I talked about this on yesterday's show. He's been pitching, but he's been not catching the ball. He's been having somebody catch the ball for him. So he, he intends to make his start on Saturday. He's going to put a glove on his right hand when he throws today. Uh, <coughs> very Sorry. All right, I'm back. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, I think I'm back for good now. Uh, Marco Gonzalez, uh, he's been, uh, like I said, not catching the ball, but he's uh, hoping that he'll be ready to do that by Saturday. So, uh, Mike Florio, uh, what do you think of this uh, Mariners fifth starter situation here? So you got Marco Gonzalez who's trying to make a go of this, even though he uh, he can't really catch. Uh, you got Rob Whalen having, uh, I'll say it, a whale of a spring so far. So uh, is there anybody here that, that intrigues you? I think either way it's going to be like a deeper AL only type of situation. I, I don't see one of these guys really stepping up and taking off. But Marco Gonzalez did have some prospect pedigree. That's not the guy that you and Nanda love, is it? Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's the guy who's um, he's not, you know, he's not catching. Uh, yet because you know, he had the, the injury to the right hand. Nando just told me it's Miguel Castro that you guys love. I, I, I got oh, them confused. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I heard glove. Not oh, glove. no, no, no. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I got those two guys Yeah, no, confused. I don't have the same degree of love for uh, 
for Miguel Gonzalez. Nothing against him, but he's, nobody's you know quite Miguel Castro. Ah, uh, yeah, I got I got those guys confused for a minute. Uh, yeah, I think ultimately you want to keep an eye on it if you're in a deeper league or in an AL only. But I can't see these guys exceeding much more value than that. I'm not sure if you feel any different. Well, yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is kind of a pedal to the metal kind of question for me because I, you know, I preach multiple times a day, every day on the show. Don't get caught up in the spring stats. But Whalen's are extremely good. He's thrown 13 innings. He has 19 strikeouts, just four walks, only given up two earned runs. He's having a great spring. He's got a great opportunity. I mean, as, as at this point, it's hard to see him not being in the Mariners' rotation, given that uh, Erasmo Ramirez is, uh, uh, you know, he's uh, maybe not going to be ready for opening day. We still don't know how this is going to work out with Marco Gonzalez. I mean, I guess this uh, next start will be uh, uh, maybe a good indicator. Errol Miranda has not impressed. I just would have assumed he'd step in, but he's given up uh, four earned runs in eight innings. He's walked five batters. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess I, I, I get along, uh, taking a long route to get there, Mike, but I think I agree. I mean, Rob Whalen is, he's a deep league guy. I don't want to go overboard with these spring stats to the extent where it's like, oh, I'm going to, you know, uh, take him in the, the last round of a, a 12-team mixed league. But uh, he's now he's now into late round flyer territory with me in, in a deeper league. Do you that want him sense. because of the, the puns you can make with his name? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Probably a, a part of it. it it's a, it's a good a, reason. It's a tiebreaker. It's a tiebreaker. If you can work the name into a, a team name, then, you know, that that's that's definitely a tiebreaker, I will say. Um, Sounds like a good rule so, to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you agree with that. Well, let, let's uh, toss around one more situation. This is a real tough one because you got uh, multiple players standing out here, and plus you got I talked about the um, Brandon Finnegan situation earlier in the show, and so he may or may not be ready for opening day. He's he's saying he will be. But you got uh, Sal Romano just looking great. 12 innings, 15 Ks, only two walks, uh, four runs allowed. And uh, you got Tyler Maley, 9.2 innings with nine strikeouts, uh, two walks, four runs allowed. Amir Garrett, who I've talked about before, 11 Ks and nine innings. And unfortunately, the guy that I've, that I've really uh, touted the most is the one who's not doing that well, and that's Robert Stevenson. Who does have eight strikeouts in six innings, but he's also walked four batters and given up five runs. So uh, Romano, Maley, Garrett, Stevenson. I mean, there's going to be room for at least a couple of these guys. Uh, is there anybody in particular that you think would be relevant in, say, a 12-teamer? I, I do have some interest in Stevenson because I know he came up with that prospect pedigree and I, I think he will get every chance to succeed in that rotation. So he is someone that I have taken a flyer on uh, in the later rounds of some of my drafts. Yeah, I'm still yeah, I'm still going Stevenson too, but this is, you know, this is another situation that's kind of testing my ability to, to walk walk my talk. Because, uh, you know, going into spring training, Stevenson was the guy I was really excited about because of, like you said, uh, not only the prospect pedigree, but put together two really good months at the end of the season last year, which, again, is you got to take that with a little bit of a grain, but it, it makes him intriguing as a late round option. But he's he's getting outpitched by all these guys. 
So, you know, do I dump him in, in favor for Sal Romano? Now, in all fairness, I like Romano, too. I liked him before. But, um, yeah, I think I'm still going to, you know, I'm going to stick to my guns here. But it, it definitely makes it something to, to watch with a little bit more intensity uh, going forward, given especially how well Romano and Garrett are doing. I mean, they're just they look ter- terrific so far. So um, I appreciate the uh, the input, Mike. I'm going to pivot here. Um, and the, the, the pun actually wasn't really intentional, uh, but I've talked about pivotal players when you're drafting using a tiers-based approach. And just, again, if you haven't listened to past episodes and you have no idea what I'm talking about, the idea that um, how aggressively you may go for filling a certain position could really pivot on how strongly you feel about the player or player's that are at the end of a tier where there's a really big drop-off. So, you know, as an example, I'm making this argument about Evan Gaddis that for most people it seems like they're, in my opinion, reaching for Gaddis a bit because they know that once he's off the board, it's it's crater central. Um, I think there's all kinds of risk there with Gaddis. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm targeting uh, Real Muto and, and Sal Perez because I think that's the end of the line. But you get the idea. So it's that player that you you see that is right before the big crater in value. And, um, you know, how strongly do you believe in that player? Because if you, you know, believe very strongly in that player, then, you know, you probably really want to target that player. But if you don't, you, you, may, be, you may want to go even more aggressive and get somebody who's gotten uh, an even, you know, higher uh, spot in the ADP rankings. Or you just may decide, you know, it's too rich for my blood. I'm going to punt this category for a while or punt this uh, sorry, position for a while. So the, the, the landscape of the tiers looks a little bit different. No PP leagues for obvious reasons. Uh, and that means that the, the player you may be pivoting on is different. Now I'm going to start with outfield here because I, uh, I did a Twitter poll related to this and this doesn't really have to do with pivotal players per se, but I looked at the steamer projections for Aaron Judge and for Charlie Blackman, and I thought, you know, there, there's no way that I'm taking Aaron, uh, that I'm taking Charlie Blackman over an Aaron Judge in an OBP league. Absolutely no way, because even if you're really conservative about how Judge does this year, he's going to have such an advantage in terms of power and OBP. That, um, you know, I, I just don't see how Blackman's going to overcome that. But I had a feeling that would put me in the minority. But I, I put that feeling to, uh, to the test in, uh, in a Twitter poll, and here's how it came out. Now, if you were watching uh, election results last night in that, that Pennsylvania uh, special election, you know how it was really close, and I think they still don't really know who, uh, who won that for sure. This poll was not like that at all. Charlie Blackman got 84% of the vote. Which outfielder would you rather have an OBP league? I, I put a little pun in here. Justice Charlie Blackman or Aaron Judge. Uh, Blackman got 80% of the vote, 84% of the vote. And I don't think that's just because of the uh, the, the pun that I made uh, on uh, Charlie slash Harry Blackman there. But um, – yeah, that just it floors me. It absolutely floors me. I mean, last year, uh, Judge had a 422 OBP, 
Blackman was good, three three ninety nine. But you know, again, the the separator between Judge and Blackman in a standard league with batting average is that Blackman's gonna probably clobber him in batting average, and he loses not only loses that advantage, but probably just it gets flipped. That I, I think uh, Aaron Judge has got the much better chance to help you in OBP than Charlie Blackman, and then you still got that uh, you know quite likely very massive power advantage. Uh, over Charlie Blackman. So I was totally stunned by that. And if you do go by the uh, uh, on rotographs, they've got projected uh, roto values. So I ran this uh, according to OBP, their uh, roto values using Seamer projections. Aaron Judge comes out as a uh, $28 outfielder, and Charlie Blackman comes out as a $26 outfielder. By those projections, and I and, and I think that the steamer projections for Aaron Judge are pretty conservative. So, uh, in fact, let me just find those for you, just to, to underscore this point. I don't exactly want to belabor it because I've only got a few minutes left, and I've got other positions to get to. But the steamer projection for Aaron Judge is a two fifty four average, a three sixty eight on base percentage, with thirty seven home runs and one hundred forty one games. I mean, that's that strikes me as super duper conservative. So, yeah, I don't know. If you're thinking uh, if you're an OBP league and you're thinking Charlie Blackman, maybe think again. That's, that's all I'm saying. Sorry. Right, let me uh, uh, get to. So as far as the pivotal player in the outfielder, I, I think it's Tommy Pham, though, because uh, he walked a whole lot last year. And if you buy into that walk rate and you bear uh, you buy into him not regressing too much. In any of his stats, whether it's the home runs, stolen bases, the walk rate, uh, just a little bit of regression would still keep him on a par with, say, Christian Yelich in an OBP league, which would boost him, you know, probably five or six spots in ADP, uh, and put him really within shouting range of JD Martinez, Cody Bellinger, and Reese Hoskins. So it, it really would lift Fam into a whole uh, into a higher tier. And you could you could wait a little longer uh, in an OBP league, recognizing that Tommy Pham is is a part of that tier. Now, in terms of other positions, catcher, the 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 number one catchers that that pecking order really doesn't change a whole lot. And I think Gaddis is still the pivotal pivotal guy there. Uh, but in terms of number two catchers, I think you got to give a little boost to Alex Avila, Robinson Torinos, Russell Martin. And Chris Iannetta, all guys that you worry about with batting average, but all of whom really boost their value in an OBP league. And Tucker Barnhart, too, who uh, is, should be pretty good for batting average, but be, could be quite valuable uh, for a base percentage. So I wouldn't over overlook him. And I have a feeling I'm not going to run out of time here. Uh, so I'll try to get as much of this as done as I can and, and uh, maybe continue this uh, on, on Friday's show. DJ LeMahieu, I think he gains in an OBP league. Joey Gallo, Justin Turner. I had all kinds of amazing Justin Turner stats here. I'll try to save those. Uh, and Trevor's story. Uh, so basically, you get the picture here. It's guys who maybe strike out a lot, guys who are uh, problems for batting average leagues, but make up for it uh, with a high walk rate. So apologize for having to rush through that. Hope that was somewhat helpful. But anyhow, time is up. So definitely... Listen to the show tomorrow, and I'll see you on Friday. Have a good one.
Does your fantasy team suck? Maybe you need us. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network.